Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Great Northeast BJJ Podcast. This episode, we sit down and talk about confusion and philosophy with Huron Gracie. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. As always, it's brought to you by the world-famous Tortuga Soap Company. All the things you need to keep you looking and smelling good. Use the discount code PODCAST and get 20% off your order. Also brought to you by Port City BJJ, home of the Great Northeast BJJ Podcast. Located in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. If you're ever in the area, please come by and visit us. We'd love to train with you. PortCityBJJ.com Also brought to you by BJJ Prehab. BJJ Prehab is a program of custom videos designed to help prevent injuries and keep you on the mat, or in this case, get you back on the mat healthy and ready to train. Thanks everybody for your support. We appreciate you guys all listening. Hope everybody out there is doing well. Keep spreading the good vibes. Peace. Welcome to the Great Northeast BJJ Podcast. Huron, thanks for coming on, man. We really are stoked to talk to you today. How you doing? That's how I'm doing. <laughs> I'm on fire. <laughs> how's, uh, I mean, you're on the West Coast, we're on the East Coast. How's everybody, uh, how's your family? How's everybody doing, doing in your house? I mean, you know, we're, I just moved maybe two weeks before the lockdown. And I moved to a much smaller place, so we're a little, we're on each other, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's okay. This is, that's how you grow. You need pressure. And sometimes these tight confinements of a new home that is smaller, you, everybody kind of learns to deal with the discomforts of life a little faster. So we're really being put to the test, but I embrace it all. Hey man, you, you've been you've been used to tight positions and tight confinement your whole life. So yeah. You might be better equipped than anybody. I'm trying. <laughs> I mean, that's what uh, jujitsu part of it's for, right? Is to become uh, comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Yes, I agree. So it's it, it is crazy um, that you know folks like yourself that you know obviously through. Uh, following you through social media and kind of the different programs that you guys have. Obviously, there's a lot of work associated with that. It's not just running an academy. It's bullyproof. It's working with all the law enforcement. So you don't get a lot of time at home. It's never as much as we want, right? And all of a sudden, here we are with as much time as you want. And you're like, it's, it's a new adjustment. Yes, I, um, it is true that there, there are a lot of people that want to learn jujitsu, like you mentioned, from law enforcement to children and adults and in all parts of the world. And I actually decided last year in like July or August that I wouldn't travel in 2020, that I would stay home because it's being here is a lot of work in terms of driving to the school and in, ter in terms of mat time. Um, and a, a lot of filming time also, we do a fair amount for the website. But telling myself that I wouldn't travel in 2020 was a very big statement because I traveled to like, I think, 76 cities in 2019. That's amazing. So 
sometimes I'll do like four or five, six cities in one trip. Like every day I'll drive like two, three hours to another city. So I did a lot. I think it was either 56 or 76. I'm going to look it up for you guys. But the point is that I didn't expect to not travel this much because not traveling is one thing, not traveling on an airplane to Texas or to the Philippines or who knows where, which I did many, much of that. So now I'm not even traveling to the restaurant, you know, 15 minutes away or two minutes walk down the street. You, you really can't travel anywhere. I can barely go to Gracie university, right? We go there. My brother and I were very quarantined together, but all of the employees are pretty much out of there. So yeah, you're right. There's a lot of free time on our hands and I've, you know, taken up riding a bike which I've always wanted to ride a bike. And now it makes sense as I moved a little closer to the beach. So I have, you know, great paths and views, but a lot of time it's been challenging. And it's interesting not to have uh, at least the combative side of jujitsu, the rolling style of jujitsu to be able to, without that, it's how do we exercise in a way that will engage the mind? You know what I mean? It's, it's difficult to go down every day and bench press and sit ups and do that it's riding the bike is an interesting one because you get to engage your mind. You're visually very involved. Your balance needs to be kept. You're, you're thinking about traffic and all of those mm-hmm. things. It's a, it's a, it's a good experience and it's a way to engage your mind when we can't do it the normal way that we would. Yes. And it's been two months for me since I've rolled, which is probably the longest in my life. <laughs> Maybe I've had an injury where it's been like a month, month and a half, but I still can be on the mat and doing some techniques. So it's been a very long time. And you are right, though, that I feel that myself, as well as many of the instructors that are not teaching right now, we do, we do miss that outlet, as I'm sure you guys also miss it. Yeah. And don't worry. I'm, I'm pretty sure that you still know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I was actually thinking about how so many people – they have a hard time not being able to roll because they fear that their peers are going to advance beyond them. They don't want to be like left behind. Like I didn't train for the last three weeks. I missed, you know, a few weeks of guard passes and I'm not going to be as strong here or there. But the good part about this situation that we're in is that everybody pauses. So (laughs) we can rest assured that all the guys that gave me a hard time, they're not getting better. While I'm at home doing nothing, we're all, we're all on our days. It's, do you think that that is probably when, when the diffus, most difficult thing for people when they get injured or for whatever reason, for whatever thing drags them away from the mat, coming back and seeing your peers have advanced, do you find that that's the most difficult thing to kind of re-motivate that student coming back in that might even miss a whole belt level as an example? Um, it's difficult to re-motivate them and get them involved in the learning process as opposed, as opposed to focusing on the negative. Do you find that with your students? Yeah. Well, I, I feel like people in general like to compare. Comparing is, right, they say comparing is a thief of joy. People, I, I always refer to it as the feeling of not enoughness. And that's something that people also kind of jump on the opportunity to tell themselves the story that they're not enough. So when it comes to being off the mat, let's say for, you know, a month and a half or two and a half months, or you had a baby and for four months you're at home with your newborn figuring out, you know, family life. And then you come back 
maybe you might even delay it three, four more months. Because when you think about going back, you're like, man, I've lost it. I'm not going to be performing that well. And you are obviously measuring your performance against others. Because if you were just going to be doing it by, if it was the same as like, or you're going to be measuring it against your previous performance level, which is tricky because it's not like you have somebody that is a constant that did not grow. that You can really measure where you are. The people who have been still training while you were gone for four months, they're, they're not the gauge anymore. Matter of fact, they might even be better than you or more difficult to tap out. Or now there's a blue belt that has two, three stripes that you used to always beat, but now you can't beat that blue belt anymore. So there's the feeling of not enoughness. Instead of seeing that they grew, you see it as you are not enough. So I guess that it kind of touches what you said in the sense that, you know, time away, coming back, you have to realize why you went away and know that it was justified. You're, you're comfortable with the reason why you went away. You had a baby, you got injured, the job pulled you away for three months. And then when you come back, why are you coming back? Not because you want to outperform the people that used to outperform, but because you just simply enjoy the movement, the camaraderie, the sweating, the challenge. The problem is if when you are in jujitsu, you are a short, um, how do you say it? Short term results. Like you need immediate gratification. Like when you roll with people, and you tap somebody out or you escape someone's mount or you control somebody really well. When that builds you, that does a number in terms of how you feel about yourself. It would make sense that when you come back, you, you need more of that. So I, I like to say that, you know, I can almost identify whether or not somebody is going to be a lifelong student or not based on how they act when they roll. Right? I, have, I have side mounted or I have mounted purple belts and blue belts and they've been unable to escape or I've thrown them off my mount two, three, four, five times and they go like, damn, they get mad. And then I'm like, I'm confused because why are well, you a blue belt? Why are you so mad that I'm escaping your mount four, five, six times? I let you mount six times just to escape six times. And that just shows me that that blue belt is short-term gratification that that if they quit if they have a baby in three months their family their wife has a baby and now they're at home for six months they're gonna have a very hard time whereas some other people i escaped their mount five six seven times and their energy their response to my escape maybe they're laughing maybe they're like how did you do that you see they're 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 curious versus frustrated and it's because they understand that that's part of jujitsu. Now, it doesn't mean that the frustrated person can't become the curious one, but how you respond to every single situation, it's like they say how you do anything is how you do everything. So I really think about that in terms of if my child does something in the home that frustrates me and I respond with like, damn it, then I'm going to respond, damn it, when I get armbarred by a brown belt. But if I respond with, oh, hey, I did, that's, I never imagined that that could happen. <laughs> you know, you threw my phone in the toilet, 
<laughs> and you're four years old. I expect more from a four-year-old. <laughs> but I'm going to get a new phone. Then when I get armbarred by a brown belt, the energy is, wow, it just are learning and they're coming up. And that if I sleep, I can be caught slipping. Right. That's amazing. Comparison is the thief of joy. That's, that's an amazing quote. So we were uh, recently talking to our friend, John Frankel, who I think you probably know, um, but he was talking about, you got to like, you got to love jujitsu more than you love winning. If you want to do it long-term. Well, yeah, because winning Winning is only one-tenth of jiu-jitsu, I mean, submitting people. When I say winning, I mean submitting. But there are other ways to win. People, jiu-jitsu, right, there's, uh, there's sweeps, there's escapes, there's c- controls, there's defense, there's takedowns, there's distance management, there's punch, there's punch awareness, there's, you know, diff- escaping submissions, and then there's catching submissions, just loosely, you, you see that? And I, in terms of like how much time, let's say that the average person that's a purple belt, blue belt, I don't know how many hours they spend, uh, 200 hours, let's say a year. And they've been training for five years. So they've done a thousand hours of jujitsu. In those thousand hours, how much of that time were they actually practicing a submission or submitting somebody and rolling? Is it 20%? Is it 10%? Is it 80? I don't think it's 80%. If it is, that's too bad for them because they're not training all kinds of side mount escapes and guard survival skills and standing balance drills. So there's so much to be doing in jujitsu, but yet we give so much power to the submission, which is what, what you said. If you want to do jujitsu for a long time, you have to love jujitsu over winning and that statement alone is dangerous because that statement implies that submissions are how you win. I believe it's how he means it, correct? Yeah, I think so, right. That's, but that's tricky because people are built to want to win. So when you say you have to love jiu-jitsu over winning, I disagree it, I agree because I know what he's saying, but the statement is this. If you guys mount me, let's say you mount me, Jay's mounted on me, and he attacks for five minutes straight, and then the timer rings, and he couldn't submit me, and I'm not even trying to escape. I just won. Like a tremendous victory. A victory that will go down in the history books. You know what I mean? That the Supreme, what do we call it? The Supreme what? The Supreme, Supreme Commander. Supreme Commander. Supreme Commander. Do you understand? Did not tap me out for five minutes. That's something to go home to and make a huge acai bowl. That's a celebration night. You know what I mean? So because of that, now that's the, the people, the world of jiu-jitsu has lost touch of that. They don't, you know, when I, the other day I was rolling with Henner um, months ago. Months ago. I always say the other day because I'm on the mat so much. Everything happened yesterday. But it was like, I don't know, maybe eight months ago. And I actually mounted Henner and he tried to escape my mount and he failed. And then he tried again and he failed. I think on the third or fourth one, he succeeded. Now, when he succeeded, the feeling wasn't, uh, the feeling was, ah, I got you, fool. 
You tried three times and it only worked on the fourth. I made you fail three times. The feeling was a good feeling. I didn't lose. I won that battle. So if that is your truth as to what victory is, then the comment is you can love winning because you can win in any single position in any single experience. If Henner side mounts me and attacks me for 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute and a half, two minutes, and then he taps me out after two minutes, let's say in, a, in an arm bar. If that happens, I can very easily say, dang, he beat me in an arm bar. Or I can say, wow, two minutes straight, full attack. I defended for two minutes. And I take that and then I go where? Two weeks later, we roll again. And then this time, it goes three and a half minutes. You see that? I always, I always take, I take the good in any situation. And that's the key to happiness, is finding gratitude in any moment, any moment. My friend the other day told me that his father passed away. And I said, I'm so glad you had him in your life till you were 26 years old. Because I already know that the whole world responds with, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, which it's okay to say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. But I feel like the lead comment that I make is the one that it's, I'm creating my reality. Do you understand? My wife leaves me tomorrow. I'm so grateful that I was with her for 13 years and we have two kids that are amazing kids and she's an amazing parent. Instead of what am I going to do? Without her, how could she do this to me? That's, to, that's the route that everybody takes. I got arm locked. I keep getting arm locked. I'm not good enough. I'm not having enough arm lock counters versus that arm lock is amazing. And if I get caught in it nine more times, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to understand it as much as that person who's catching me in it. What an amazing statement that is when you think about how hard it is for a lot of people to stay committed to jujitsu for a lifetime. You know what I mean? If you go to the mat every day, and stake your success or failure based on how many people you tap or don't tap, it's going to be a very stressful life. (laughs) I always say that um, Eddie Gracie, my grandfather's definition, his understanding, his conviction as to what it meant to do jujitsu was this. I would say so few people have the same belief as to what it means to do jiu-jitsu. Most people believe that jiu-jitsu is so much more. It's go, 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 escape, sweep, dominate, go, take down, control. But my grandfather's conviction was if, that, if, if someone side mounts me and I can defend and keep them from advancing and mounting on me and punching me, I can stay safe, I'm doing jiu-jitsu. So, but because our culture is, is confused and we have people from everywhere, from white belt all the way to black belt that are doing and saying things that even though they're very small, you hear enough small things, you start to formulate this idea of what you need to be doing and how you need to be behaving how you should be looking, how you should be rolling. Because people don't, they don't know 
that they can choose to be however they want. They feel like once they sign up to do jujitsu, that there is a way to do it. For example, if you're inside somebody's guard and you see two people, top and bottom of guard, 99% of people who look at that, they say, okay, the top person is going to start to pass the guard now. That is the feeling that you get when you see someone in someone's guard. Do you guys agree? Yeah. The feeling is not, I wonder what the bottom person is going to do. And if the top person can simply neutralize their attacks for 45 seconds to 60 seconds. And then in doing so, it will probably give the top person a little opportunity to escape that position and advance to the side control. But because we little small things are said like, okay, got to pass the guard now. Okay. Got a posture. Okay. Break the legs, break the guard or, or when you're in the bottom of side mount, okay, turn to your side. Let's start hipping out. Let's start recovering guard. So these things are so strong and they're so strong and so subtle and everybody's saying them that is keeping everybody confused. I, I literally, you, you said there's no rules on this podcast. So I, when I think about people who do jujitsu around the world, I sometimes feel like everybody is confused. Like every single person in the world, like my brother Henner is confused. Now, Everybody, every black belt in the world, to some degree, they're all confused. Now, to be honest, even I sometimes land in positions and I behave in a confused manner, meaning I do that which the, the, the collective have deemed to be the right thing to do, like start trying to get out. Now, to what degree you're confused and to how aware you are of these false beliefs that you have adopted. Like if I mount on you, Jay, what's your job? What are you supposed to do? I guess get out, right? Escape. No, Survive. you're confused. <laughs> Survive. You see? So you see, but I'm like you also, I've also been mounted by people and I'm confused. Now the lucky part, or I guess I feel very fortunate to know that I'm not as confused as you are. Right. And the reason you're more confused simply because you've had less exposure to my truth, my truth. It's not even the truth, but my grandfather, Eddie Gracie explained to me, he said, he don't, you don't have to escape the bottom of the mount when hoist mounts on you. That's not what you have to do. All I want you to do is defend yourself. You see? So he, and then I agreed. I said, okay, I agree. Now you, Jay, you, you might not agree to that. You might say, no, that's not true. That's okay. And then we are doing two different arts. We're doing two different expressions of the same art. And which I'm okay with that for you to say, yeah, my expression is different. Now, the question is this, the goal, the ultimate goal in jujitsu is what? 
what is the ultimate goal? And when training amongst friends and going to the gym and learning, what is the have fun? Have fun. Have fun is a very good one. Yes. I I think uh, what you hear mostly is, you know, when people try to define jujitsu, say it's the art of submitting your opponent, right? Yes. The goal in terms of like the literal sense, they want to submit each other, tap the person out. Right. But I feel like the big goal is to better understand yourself and to better understand the positions that you can find yourself in and how you respond to these positions, how you respond under pressure, how you respond when you're in an uncomfortable position, how you, right? It's, it's, it's more about the individual growing, helping that individual become the most aware and I guess the best possible representation of themselves. So, so being able to survive, being able to thrive and do good in all positions. So it's a study for me. So if I, I like that more than the objective is to tap everybody out. I want to become comfortable in as many positions as possible and become more aware of myself and learn more about myself. Is that, do you think like when people say you can really learn a lot about somebody when, when they're training or when you're rolling with somebody, does that sort of, is that kind of like what you're talking about? Like, or even like you can learn a lot about somebody in adversity, right? Like right now, like you're learning about, we're learning about ourselves in a time of adversity. Yes. There, there is no doubt that I said it earlier, how you do anything is how you do everything. Now I am a huge um, proponent of doing things with strategy and with grace and with technique and with patience and consideration and empathy. I don't want to be, and, and the thing is this, when you do jujitsu, it's very easy to be overreactive and emotional and to be frustrated and angry. And these are natural feelings. These are natural things that to experience. The question is jujitsu gives me the opportunity to work on my understanding, to work on my patience, my caring. Jiu-Jitsu gives me the opportunity to work on being strategic and not overreacting and to, to analyze and we got to freeze, I think. <laughs> it's a perfect like. <laughs> Here on your hang, hang tight. He's uh he'll probably come back and won't know that he was stopped. All right. Okay. Sprinkle and they help me in everyday life. This is so true. Like I have become more. Not I have become. Every single day I practice patience on the mat and I try to practice it again in everyday life. How could I be training jujitsu the way that I train jujitsu and then be driving home? on the freeway, on the highway, 
and somebody cut me off and I pull up next to them and I'm like, hey, F you. How can I do that? That if, if I did that, then somebody who only saw me in traffic would assume that the way that I spar is literally just crush and demolish everybody who steps on the mat and faces me. That's what you would take from that response in the car. But it's not. When somebody cuts me off, just the other day, someone said, try stopping. And I go like this. I go, I love you. Do you understand? But I say I love you because I I love you. You're, You're going through something. I don't know what's happening in your world. You're mad that when I was on my bike, I didn't stop on the stop sign. I just went in front of the car. They couldn't hit me if they tried. The point is that I just, I just kind of went and I do, I love you because they're like, try stopping a lady yelling at me. What does she want me to do? Pull over and exchange words? No, she's just having a bad day. So, but, so all of this to talk about how my definition of jujitsu is that is the definition of survival, of stay safe and learn more about the position and yourself. And I know without a doubt that that is the most long-term plan. If you wanna do jujitsu for 35, 45 years, what I'm saying, it has to become your way. If your definition of jujitsu is to go forward and submit people, then that is short-lived. I'm not saying you can't do that for four years, seven years, while your body allows and your age. And if your definition is having fun, that also can be short-lived because how do you measure if you're having fun or not? If you're getting tapped out three, four, five, six times in 10 minutes, was that fun? Then yes. Now, I'm not saying that it's fun, but I'm saying that there's a fascination with what is possible, that curiosity and that fascination to want to learn. I always give the example, like if Marcelo Garcia, I've never even met him, but if he, if he walked into our gym and we were gonna spar, I would literally say, Marcelo, can you just start on my back with back control? Because I, I would want to know, I want, as quickly as possible, because he's very good on people's backs, He's no joke. So as quickly as possible, I want to put him there because I want to know what is, I want to know what is possible as quickly as possible. Whereas most people, they would fight for their lives to keep their back away from him and on the ground because they're so afraid. You see that? It's because they are the person that thinks they want to tap or it's not fun to get tapped. But me, I'm like, no, no, no. I have this guy here. He's one of the greatest jiu-jitsu competitors of all times. And he's right here. Let's put him in one of his strongest positions of all times. It's the same thing when I, I saw my cousin Hajar the other day in London, like maybe, I don't know, eight months ago, six months ago. And I'm like, yo, can you just mount on me? Like, what are we, like, cause the thing, the thing is this, I probably could have avoided him mounting on me for a five minute round. Like if I fought hard, but why would I want to do that? I would I want to have him mounted on me for five full minutes. You see that? But that's who does that though? People who understand the big picture. I want to, I want to feel, I want to taste your mount attacks, your back mount attacks, whoever you are. It's not. Um, no. Sorry, George, go ahead. 
So, I mean, what you're saying reminds me of this thing I've just recently heard, right? And it was somebody, I think like Randy Couture talking about dealing with anxiety. And he was like, man, instead of like, turn the anxiety into like excitement. And so instead of being like anxious about, you know, before the fight, he'd be like, man, I'm excited to see where this thing is going to go, you know? And it made a lot of sense to me. Yes, yes. And I can imagine that that, I'm sure anxiety still exists, but you're just labeling it excitement, which I guess I can agree that as much as I don't mind getting tapped out, I'm still making efforts to not get tapped out. But then when I get tapped out, I'm like, man, I, I can literally, I can, I watch my mind want to go, uh, or, oh, that was beautiful. They're, they're so close. And it doesn't mean that when I say, oh, that was a beautiful arm lock, that three minutes later, when I'm stretching, drinking water, that I'm not like, dang. That still exists. So they're both, they're both right there. What I'm just suggesting is that people too quickly jump to the, the, the pain, the one of pain, not the one that is setting you up to continue. Because we're talking about training, being around jiu-jitsu. People love jiu-jitsu. If you surveyed everyone that does jiu-jitsu today and you asked how many of you would like to be around this in 10, 20, 30 years, 95% would say yes. Absolutely. The question is, you have to ask yourself, anytime if I say, you know what, it really matters to me to have good health and not, you know, get diabetes or cancer and have a good healthy life so I can have, hang out with my grandchildren one day. I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. I want to have grandchildren and be around them. If that matters to me, but then I'm smoking cigarettes, my actions are not matching my, my words. So if my words and my thoughts are, I want to be around jujitsu for many years to come, let, okay, show me that in your actions, in how you train, in your actions on how you respond to when jujitsu happens. Getting tapped out is part of jujitsu. If that is destroying you, then you need to either, you're probably better off quitting jujitsu and taking up yoga if you're actually getting mad. Like if you hit the mat, now this is not to say that there's not beauty in, be, in trying hard and you know, setting a bar, having expectations for yourself. But, but there's a line, right? If people drive home sometimes, have you ever driven home like mad, angry about your performance, just frustrated with yourself? You talk to your wife, you're short with her, you get home, you're just mad, you're just bad jiu-jitsu experience. <clears throat> That's just a dangerous thing that, I mean, how much of that is, is, is okay? And let me tell you this. You guys, what belts are you guys? You're a black belt and you're George, you're a black belt? Yeah. Yep. So you're both black belts. You already know. And you both, how, how many blue belts are you around? 70, 50, 60 blue belts, right? A good amount of blue belts. Out of those 50, 70 blue belts, how many of them will be around in 12 years? 10% maybe. Five 10%. You're being nice probably too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. seven of the 70 will be around in 10 years. Why? Because 
they are too, because it's, there's a certain stress. When jujitsu becomes stressful and it becomes difficult and like, ah, not fun anymore. And you're comparing yourself to others. You just hang it up. They go buy a mountain bike and it becomes their new escape. They just jump from activity to activity. It's a fad, right? Now you guys, the part of the reason why you guys didn't quit, when did you start teaching and what belts? Uh, brown belt. That was purple belt. There you go. So teaching jujitsu, the age you started at, the, where you were in the ranking of your gym, what age you were, your physical abilities, and you being able to teach jujitsu, teaching, it's a new kind of rewarding, which keeps you around the energy because people depend on you. Whereas everyday students, they're not teaching. They're just rolling and it's fun one day. It's not fun one day. It's stressful one day. It's not. They get hurt. They don't get hurt. You see that? So it's, so it's so easy for them to stop. And so when I see, we have like so many students, I literally look at the class and I'm like, okay, 12 years ago, I, I recognize like three guys from 12 years in a group of 90 people. Now there might be four more guys on the next day. So there's a handful of guys, you know, 40 people, 50 people that had been there for like a long time, like when I was in high school, you know, high school, who knows? But the point is this, you have to modify the way you do, you have to adjust the way that you do jiu-jitsu all the time. You have to follow the, how do I say? You have to follow the energy. Where are you? Where's your body at? Are you getting older, injuries? You know, the, how much you can train. How has your life situation changed? You can only come in once a week. You have to modify how you do jiu-jitsu because that will allow you to be around it longer. I think about that. The, the analogy with the driving is, is if you live in Massachusetts, uh, we're famous for our aggressive driving and our uh, ne- negative communication in times of stress. You know what I mean? And it's, you, you, you get cut off and you check someone the finger and, it's just like the jujitsu map where you're talking about. You should ask yourself, like, why am I behaving this way? Like, no, learn a little bit about yourself and be like, is it my day? Is it my influence? Is it my stress levels? Like, why am I behaving like this person that I don't want to be? Yeah. You're just throwing pain. Like, for example, you giving someone the finger after they cut you off. It's the same behavior. Yours is just in a hand gesture and theirs was in a driving gesture. Right. Them cutting you off had nothing to do with you. You flipping them off had nothing to do with them. Right. It's just two people who are constantly distracting themselves from their reality. And they're distracting themselves through, who knows, um, drinks, coffee, food, candy, um, sex, you know, gambling, how, internet. How do we distract ourselves? How do we, right? We, or work, overworking, chasing money. They're distracting themselves so much that when something happens, we don't know what happened to them on a phone call when they were driving, they're on the phone with someone and then they, ah, they drove a certain way and it cut you off. And then you also distracting yourself all day, every day, even jujitsu can sometimes serve as a form of you avoiding the, the truth 
and the difficulty and the pain that you're in in any given moment. Like, for example, you're having a horrible time with your wife. Big argument. You go to jiu-jitsu. You feel good. <sighs> okay. You let out all this steam. Do you go back home and say, hey, let's pick up where we left off on that conversation? No, of course you don't. Because you don't want to mess up your whole role. That feeling that the role gave you. So now, I'm not saying that you have to that evening, but things have to be discussed. And that's the best thing about this whole lockdown is that I can't escape my wife, you know, in terms of conversations. And, and the thing is, I hate having conversations with my wife. And I love having conversations with my, my wife. I love and I hate them. Sometimes I'm like, give it to me an hour straight, hour and a half. Sometimes after four minutes, I'm like, yo, I need a break. So both of those are true and it has nothing to do with her. It's not personal. The same way the flipping off and the cutting off. If I can't talk to her, it's because of where I am inside of me. I need, some, I need to work with this first. So think about how you just said, this is how we are in this town. And you just said that people, there's a, you can look within yourself. You can do a little self It's so, interesting. Oh, go ahead, Jay. Sorry. I was going to say, you know, you hit on um, like a something that I've experienced a lot, um, having, you know, competitors, a lot of competitors in the gym training with everybody else. You know what I mean? And that, and it's something I thought a lot about myself too, is, you know, you, you, you compete and a lot of people, they want to win and they, so they compete a lot. And so winning becomes really important. The concept of scoring more points or, or winning and you have them in the academy trying because it's a give and a take with the people you roll with, right? You get better because of them and they get better because of you. But the competitors have a more direct route to self-enablement and self-development in the, in the way of winning, right? Which goes against what you're talking about to say, I, you know, you're, you're missing a lot of the point of, of the training because that's short-lived, right? Like you're going to hurt your knees and your back and you're going to get old and winning in competition may not be an option for you anymore. So what's left after that for jujitsu for you? You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess analyze like what it means to you now. Yeah. I wonder how many competitors compete for three years, seven years, 12 years, and then their jujitsu practice is never the same again, meaning they don't really do it. They stop going. So if you understand the other way of doing jujitsu, the more sustainable way. And you say, you know what? I have a very strong understanding of that. I have instructors and friends that are on that path that can remind me. I see the beauty in it. I want it. But right now I'm going to dedicate these five years to competing or 12 years. And then I'm going to go back to that. Then that's great. Uh, I have never, I have not seen too much of that. I see more heavy competitors, body, knee, back problems. And then they do a little seminar here or there, but it's never the same again. So I guess I would love for people, for example, the top, top competitors, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, are they still doing jujitsu three, four days a week, teaching it and around it? And are they still benefiting from that energy? If the answer is yes, oh my gosh, I'm amazing for them. Have they changed how they speak about jujitsu? Are, are they more 
gentle with their students about how competition is beautiful, but it's short lived and how today they view jujitsu differently. Like my uncle Hickson, for example, is a great example of that, right? It was a very like, um, very, very much, um, obviously one of the greatest fighters in the Gracie family and, you know, in his time. And he represented amazing representative of, of jiu-jitsu and just boom, boom, very calculated and go forward and just take people and finish them. And there's a certain shift in his energy as to that of self-defense. It's kind of, it's shifted a little bit. Now, what I'm saying is that I already know today, for example, when I roll with people who are visiting what competitors, MMA fighter friends of mine, I roll at a level where I feel like anybody who comes in, you're going to have the fight of your life. I don't care if you're a professional athlete, MMA fighter, if you won the worlds, it doesn't matter. Do you understand? You're not going to just cut through me. Do you understand? I'm still a monster. So now even being that and being able to tap all of our students, right? And all of our instructors, all of our black belts, and just, I'm still there physically. I don't, that is not my truth. That is what I can do, but I never stop spreading the truth of survival, control, you know, preventing someone from progressing on me, staying safe. And because of that, my students are not growing up in an atmosphere of feeling like they have to crush, 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 which is compete, 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 compete. They're not feeling that. I, who can crush all, don't crush 75% of the time. And it's, it's, it's amazing what you're talking about because, you know, you, you can hear people's philosophy and they can verbalize it in a certain way, but their behaviors show something else, right? But I've seen you do exactly what you're talking about, uh, like your match with Galvao. You know what you I mean? You're, you were not going in there with, with the idea, crush, 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 submit, 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 submit. It's like, I can't. Smiling, being like, I am comfortable in this spot and I believe in my jujitsu. I will escape. I'll replace the guard. And as time went on, you were having more fun in the match and he was getting more frustrated, even though he had mounted and he had done these things. And, but your, your, your takeaway, it felt like your, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, by any means, but it, 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 looking from the outside, it was what you were gaining from that experience was much different from what he was trying to, to gain from that experience. Yeah, you're right. I think he wanted to gain just defeating me, but he wanted to gain that in a very cautious way because you could tell his submission attempts were very weak. They're very, he was very, very cautious in terms of like, potentially losing the top position to go for an attack. Yep. You, you can attack more freely, but then you run the risk of losing the position. And he's so programmed to not be on his back, even though there's no points, that it, his own programming limited his ability to attack. But he still won in his eyes in the world of positional control. And I have no doubt that he, he would win if we fought in a 10-minute tournament, you sign on win by nine to zero in points or nine to, who knows, maybe if I get a point, maybe, I don't know, can you get one point? <laughs> <laughs> but, and you're right. And for me, I was just, 
I just knew that he, he couldn't tap me. And I just, even though I knew it, I was also curious to confirm it. And once I can confirm it, then I can gradually begin to play a little more. But you're right, we both had two different agendas. It's almost like both of you guys had two different like definitions of success in it. And I don't, but, but your definition, um, I mean, in my, his mind, maybe he thought he won, but he wasn't happy. But in your mind, you felt like you had success and, and it felt like you were happier after. Well, there you go. So then I guess only I won then. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it, it was, and the reason I bring it up is because it was, one of, for me, one of the best displays of actual jujitsu that I've seen. Because here's this guy that's been, you know, he's won the worlds in IBJJF so many times and knows how to make sure the number on his side of the screen is higher than the other guys. But you showed this guy's bigger than me, you know what I mean? And he's like, you know, whatever he does to, 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 to prepare himself athletically, you know what I mean? He's doing all these things and you're like, I'll just replace my guard. I'll escape his mount and the, and survive, right? Just like you're describing. And if people, and the, the reason I say that's such an amazing display of jujitsu in my opinion, in my humble opinion is that if people take the approach to training, the way you did that match in front of millions of people, how much better and how much elongated would their jujitsu life be and the way that they can analyze what they're doing on the mat? Yo, tell me about it. <laughs> Yo, I feel like that's my only mission is to tell, remind people of how lost they are and teach them how to identify their own confusion. So if, if, you, if you can learn, it's the same as uh, eating. If you can learn how to be your own nutritionist and watch your own eating habits, then you're unstoppable. You will, you will be a healthy person. You'll have a much greater chance of being a healthy person. You're, like, I, I want my kids to look at three options of meals and say, this is the one right here. But I also want them when they pick the unhealthy one, the less healthy one, and they're eating it, to say, you know what? Ah. Look at me. I chose the unhealthy one today to have awareness. Most of the population, they think they're all the same. They're all just food and they're eating the trash, the junk food, and, and they're oblivious to it. It's the same as your behaviors in jujitsu. If, if I can get people to be training jujitsu and behave in a way that is unsustainable, that is, you know, that lacks strategy and technique and patience, and they say, oh, wow. Look at me overreacting. Look at me behaving emotionally. Someone swept me and I'm over here fighting, resisting the sweep. It already happened. I'm behaving as if I'm still in their guard. And now they're mounted on me. I'm taking the energy, the resistance of the sweep into the bottom of the mount. I'm behaving immaturely. If I can, make, if I can teach people and show people how to think like that, then before you know it, they're going to get swept and they're going to overreact and say, no, no. Don't overreact right now. I didn't want to get swept. The sweep happened. And now I'm here. New start, new position. Um, so in this, in this age right now we're living in where I haven't been able to train jujitsu and I've sort of like a lot of good things have happened to me because of this. Um, and one <laughs> of the things I've introduced myself to is my mind 
which is a truly scary place. Um, but because of this, because of, because of what you were saying with distractions earlier, I distract myself with jujitsu. I've distracted myself with playing guitar with all these things for years. And now I have this time and I, I don't remember how now, why, but I was like, I'm going to try to start meditating. And, uh, and so I tried to start meditating and, and, uh, and I've, you know, and it's, I had no idea what was going on up here and maybe until then, but it, it reminds me of like, so it's been a gift to me to realize that a lot of, and, and it ties in, I think with what you're talking about with jujitsu in that, like, I'm trying to get myself to think instead of about like, Oh, what just happened to me? Or, Oh, what's going to happen. But like, what's happening like right now, you know, because I found that a hundred percent of my life is either in the what's happened or is what's about to happen thing. And very little is in the what's happening right now. Um, now getting to that point where I'm there and the now has been more difficult than one might imagine, but right. Is that jujitsu too? Like, oh, listen, I feel like when I do jujitsu, I am in the right now. 90% of the time. I, I was going to say 99%, but I'll try to be humble. <laughs> but people, when you get mounted, oh God, this is so good. You, you get mounted and people are literally thinking. Here's what it is. I believe that no matter where somebody is, any single position in jujitsu, besides a fully locked submission and the person actually in the middle of tapping, any position, that person actually wants to be somewhere else. So think of any position, just throw one out, bottom of half guard, top of side mount, in someone's guard. Wherever you are, wherever you land, the moment you land there, you are wanting something else. You are in a constant state of want. When I see people do jiu-jitsu, and the, the way that we know this is true is because if we have, let's say we have 80 people sparring, all paired up, rolling, 40 pairs, and I could freeze all of them, like I'm, you know, Professor X, <laughs> and I freeze everybody. If I can go in and ask each of the 80 people, hey, what are you working on right now? What do you want? The chance of someone saying, I don't want anything other than to keep them from advancing and submitting me, sweeping me, going from side mount to mount, passing my guard. I just want to maintain what I have. The chance of hearing that is like one, two, three, four, five percent. Ninety-five percent will say, well, I'm in the bottom of half guard. I want to recover full guard. I'm on top of guard. I want to pass guard. Bottom of mount, I need to escape their mount. Uh, we're standing. I need to take him down. Everybody's trying to go somewhere else. And isn't it, you know what's even crazier <laughs> is that the person that, for example, that is standing up 
and says, I want to take him down. So then they do it. They pull guard, let's say. They bring the fight to the ground. And now they're on the bottom of the guard. They now want to attack or they want to sweep. So even when you're here and you wanted to get there, even where you went was not where you really want to be. You, you, you also want to be somewhere else. And this, you guys, this is the sickness. It, this, is, this is the sickness even in me, in, in other areas of life. Do you understand? I'm, I'm like, for example, I'm in this podcast right now talking to you guys. The moment I finish, what do I want to do? I, want, I don't want to just sit here in this room. <laughs> I want to go do laundry. I have laundry in the washing machine. It has to be dried. And then I want to go play with my kids. because That's what a good parent does. And then I want to go to the beach because I have a beach here. And if I don't go now, I might never go to the beach again. I might lose it. You see? And then I want to go to Gracie University and do the Zooms. I always have something else to do. We're always running to the next thing. And then when you can't get to the next thing, sometimes, how do we feel? Sick. Like you're drowning. I can't get to the laundry. We're going to end this in 20 minutes. I can't get to the laundry. (laughs) <laughs> unacceptable matter of fact now that I said that once we finish this I'm just going to sit here for 15 minutes and not move but then what am I going to do after one minute I'm going to grab my phone and start going on Twitter and can, no I'm not I'm not going to go on Twitter and then if I don't go on Twitter what am I going to do start thinking about a video that I want to film I'll have a video idea that I want to film to share with people because the whole quarantine I want to give this cool seminar away I'm going to start strategizing that in my mind. You see that? I can't even just sit here. I'm always running to something else. It's, it's amazing because now you're tying like, like a lot of concepts together, a lot like jujitsu, but how you do something is how you do everything, right? So if you behave like that on the mat, you look at your life. And if you're always chasing what's next in your life, you're never living in the moment of what is happening right now. And it, it just reminds me of every single person I know that's like, oh, I got a promotion. I got all this money. What's the next thing? What's the, where, where's my next promotion? And, you know, oh, well, I, you know, I, I, I cut the grass and I'm like, okay, now I cut the grass in the back where I plant some flowers. It's not good enough to be where you are and doing what you're doing. You're always thinking about what's next and what's better. Is that because we're doing things for the, for the external validation? We're not doing things for the intrinsic reward. We're not doing it for us, right? We're, we're doing it because of how it makes us look in the eyes of others. Do you understand? Me doing laundry. I want to do this seminar. I just filmed this seminar. It's a two-hour concept that I want to share. Why am I doing that? Am I doing it because I feel good doing it? Or because I know that when I give it away, people are going to see me and be like, wow, you're so good. You're so generous. You're so nice. You see, the reason why I want to do that, I want to do laundry so that my wife sees me and says, wow, this guy helps out with laundry and dishes, amazing husband. You see that? Not because I want to do it. So I want to pass someone's guard now because I want to appear that I'm able to get out of that position and I want to show the coach and my peers and I want to look, no one can hold me down. Not because 
I'm just simply enjoying going through the movements of the guard pass. That's an amazing, that's a, that's a great, I mean, obviously good for jiu-jitsu, but good for life, you know. Can I, can I ask, because if I don't ask this question, um, people will hit me with virtual sticks over the internet. Uh, so is, is that, like, there's a lot of philosophy and, and, and conceptual approach in, in the things that you're talking about. Did you, was growing up Gracie like that for you? Were those, were those concepts that were introduced by your instructors and family members, brothers and cousins and father? Or yeah. was some of it there and you've really been able to kind of develop these human development methods on, on your own through your experience with your brother and your dad and kind of running the academy and teaching jiu-jitsu over your entire life? It's a great question, which I don't even really know the answer to, but you know how people say, like, once you have kids, you will realize what your parents went through. You'll have more kind of understanding or through what your parents did. I feel like I was exposed to a lot of a lot of a lot of this, a lot of mental jujitsu and mindset, and I feel like sometimes my grandfather, for example, because he was probably the most talkative in terms of strategy and mindset and watching your emotions, and learning lessons, and being a scientist. I feel like he talked about so many things <clears throat> during so many phases of my life that it's almost like it maybe just planted a little seed. And then I've noticed there were, there were things that then I was, that seed that he planted when I was 18, I was exposed to something that was so similar nine years later in a book. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the book explained it a little more clearly, a little more in depth. He understood it in a, in, in a certain depth, but he gave it to me in a little, like a little pebble. <clears throat> so I feel like, I feel like everybody out there has everything already inside of them. And the question is, are you exposing yourself to people? Do you have friends and give peers and give people around you that are helping you kind of sharpen that sword, right? In terms of mindset or, you know, these, these discussions that we're having, or do you have people who hang out with you and they just want to watch the Super Bowl and complain about how, you know, an athlete is not performing that well, but yet they're getting paid $30 million, right? What kind of people, like sometimes I feel like there are people that I, that I was around during a certain phase of my life where maybe I was a little more immature. And it's like when you have friends from high school, 16, 17, 18, but you're still their friends 20 years later. It's very easy to behave with them how you behave when you're in high school because it's kind of all you know. It's where you feel safe. But the beauty of jujitsu is that it introduces you to so many people of different walks of life that it 
almost my wife explained this very well, is that it kind of forces you to start at zero. And you don't just behave like the jackass when you were 17, but you, you come at zero. And even though you were a punk in high school and now you're 27 and nobody liked you in high school because you were a jerk, now you're in jujitsu, you don't know anybody. So you're just like, you start at zero and then that allows for a new type of interacting with people. So I'm very fortunate that my grandfather, my father, my uncles, the whole family, there was so much philosophy around the family and so much mindset and technique that there were so many people that saw that in the Gracie family, right? In terms of way of life and way of existing that as I grew up and I traveled the world, people on the outside assumed that I embodied that. So they almost came forward with discussions around the realm of discipline and lifestyle and nutrition versus just chasing women. Do you understand? And even though that's a very big part of you know, the masculine culture and the Brazilian culture and the jiu-jitsu culture that kind of, kind of skipped past me a little bit. And it was more like, man, your grandfather is Eddie Gracie. So we must talk about this. And how was this? It's almost like I was, I had no other option, but to have people come around me and come with, let's discuss like this shirt right here, the jujitsu state of mind. Right? They want to hear about what's the mindset of jiu-jitsu. They want to get into that, which I guess I'm very fortunate because now I'm taking it and I'm just releasing it into everything that I touch. From my parenting to friendships to marriage to money to business to my fears. Like it doesn't end. A couple of years ago, I was talking to Pedro Sauer about um, Ilio, your grandfather, and, and, and I was asking him, like, what I should do for my daughter training jujitsu. And he says, you know what Ilio would tell you? He would say, make, her, make sure your daughter loves the smell of the ghee. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, make sure like she just likes to put it on and, like, and, and likes the feeling of it. And then you can like – show her stuff but uh that stuck with me you know for a couple years um because at first i'm like what is he talking about man um what was your grandfather as a kid like what what was it like you know him was he teaching you jujitsu yes my grandfather when he would come from brazil and he would spend you know a month three weeks a month and a half in l.a he would teach us jujitsu. I remember being, I don't know, 11 years old, 12 years old, nine years old. And he would grab us, myself and Henner and Halleck, take us into the private room. And I had this feeling of like, ah, oh, man, like, come on, let me go. Like, I didn't want to go in the private room. <laughs> like, and the reason why I didn't want to is because there was a certain expectation from him and a, cer- a seriousness in the practice. And he wanted boom, go through the movements and, you do it wrong, do it again, do it. So there's a little bit of like a, a little boring. Um, and then, of course, at the age of 18, then is when I 
said, no, no, now 18, yeah, 18, 17, now give me more because I realized all that he had been showing me for years and years and years and years and years gave me the ability, the power, the confidence to neutralize people that were much older than I was, much bigger than I was, a lot more experienced than I was. I was able at 17, 18 years old to not lose to people who I should be losing to. And that was hugely attributed to his efforts when I was 13, 14, 15, 16, but I couldn't even see that. I'm just like, man, let me go so I can go over there and go mess around, you know, and go, I don't know, just draw on a wall, like something so silly. And that's the thing when it comes to children in, in all areas of life, you don't realize the things that your parents and your grandparents and your elders are trying to pass on to you. They're trying to give you that which they have or which they never had. The intention is good. The problem is that it's very easy for a parent to want to give it so badly that the child ends up like, you know, because a, because they feel a certain pressure of expectation because their parent is so involved in this activity. How many adults out there want their kids to do jujitsu, but their kids are not doing jujitsu? I would say the majority, 70, 80% are like, my kid just won't do it. And that's because of the energy that they create around jujitsu or same as your wife doing jujitsu. So when I think about your daughter, for example, how old is she? Eight. Eight years old. Does she do jujitsu classes? Is she in the gym with you doing the classes? Yeah. Great. And the, the energy around her doing classes, just be very aware. Don't be surprised if in six months, two years, three years, she's like, I don't want to do it at all. Don't be surprised when she's 11 years old, 10 years old, as she becomes a little bit older, more conscious of her body. There are things that are going to happen that I don't want to do it. Now, how do you feel about that? When she says, I don't want to do this. I mean, I, I would rather her do it, but I want her to do stuff that I want her to do what she wants to do too. There you go. So cancel that first part of the statement where I would rather her do it. Right. See right away in that moment, I don't want to do this. You respond with no problem. What do you want to do? Mm -hmm. Do you want to do nothing for a little while? Hey, do you want to do jujitsu? Just you and me every Saturday, we can do it for like 45 minutes at 3 p.m. after lunch or before lunch. You know what I mean? There's many ways that they can do jujitsu. Because they, my kids can't escape jujitsu. You don't want to do jujitsu? You don't want to go to class? No problem. Just grab their wrists in the kitchen. They love playing with me if I'm playing with them. But when I say, if I say, hey, listen, you know, I'd rather you do it, but I want you to do what you want to do. There's a little, there's a little feeling of like, ah, I let dad down. Yeah. But no, if you don't want to do jujitsu, I don't have to even know why. I just know one thing. The reason is justified. It could be because you're afraid of getting hurt. Someone said something to you because it's a lot of boys in class and you're a girl and you don't, and the boys are a little bit aggressive because you feel like dad is so into it that you're not doing good enough to meet my expectations because your friends aren't doing it with you. I don't even care why. I know one truth is that you enjoy spending time with me 
and I enjoy spending time with you. And since you were two years old, you enjoy being physical with me and I with you. And I'm not going to hurt you. And I don't care that you do jiu-jitsu in class, but I like you knowing some basic movements to keep yourself safe. These are just life skills. And if you want to not even do that for the next year, it's no problem. People all around the world start jiu-jitsu at 14, 16, 18, and they're doing just fine. You're seven, you're eight, you're nine. It's no problem. Like I always say, Brian Ortega started at 14 years old. And we have parents of like seven-year-olds and five-year-olds that are like stressing out, like my kid's not focused enough. And I'm like, what, what's wrong with you? Like, is this, have you never seen a child in the wild before your own kid? Like you, you think that your kid is not focused enough. Did you, you have forgotten your kid is five. There's 55 other kids running around and playing and you're complaining that they're not focused. You, you're out of your mind. Like you, you need to fix your mindset. You're just happy that your five-year-old is running around, grabbing, pushing, smelling the ghee and the mat and listening to Hidon or whatever instructor is just teaching and talking about jujitsu. So the fact that you never did jujitsu and now you're 47 years old and you're afraid to step on the mat and you got bullied and you lack confidence and you never did it, calm down, right? Same as the parent who wants their kid to be an NBA player or an MMA fighter. Look at, you know, you're over here a big fan. Calm down, parent. Right. And, and don't cast it. Know enough about, like we were talking about earlier, know enough about yourself, about why you're behaving the way you are. Yeah. Don't cast that on your child that's trying to grow up in a world that's tough enough as it is. Yes. People have no idea. Like my kids, I don't want to go to school tomorrow. I'm like, shoot, I didn't want to go for a month straight. Ever. <laughs> Of course you don't. I, I'm surprised you waited this long telling me you don't want to go to school. What did you figure out that you didn't even ask for this for the first seven years? Like, thank, thank you. Please miss two days for your honesty. You know, skip two days. Forget school. Like I used to, or when she, my kids say, I hate you. And I'm like, don't tell me you hate me. I'm like, what are you talking about? I yell at my mom, I hate you, mom, all the time. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Oh man, it's crazy. I think of that and I think maybe like, you know what I mean? And I, and I think you manifest this extremely well that maybe what, what what you're really teaching is not, you know, it manifests through jujitsu, right? But you're teaching human development, you know what I mean? And free will, it's like, you don't want to train, don't train. Like you can do whatever you want in this life. Like, you know what I mean? Like if I want to shut my laptop right now, I can do it. I can take off my clothes and run in the street. Consequences, yes. But free will, also yes. But we forget. We forget that we have the power of choice and that we can do what we want. And because we forget, we get side-mounted by someone and we're like, we got to get out. We got to get out. We got to get out. Even if the coach is saying, hey, start recovering guard, you forget that you can say, coach, I don't want to escape. I just want to stay here for 60 seconds and neutralize all of their attacks. Because once I feel more comfortable, they can't submit me. It will allow me to do my escape more confidently. But my escape is going to be a little bit reserved if I fear getting submitted mid-escape. Right. But you can't tell your coach that because then they're going to say, no, 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 my friend. This is not the way. 
This is not the way. This is not jujitsu. Jujitsu, you don't want to be on your back. You have to be on your side. On your side, like the whole like bottom of side mount. Like turning to your side is like a big deal, correct? Right. Like never once in my life since I was born have I heard someone say, turn to your side when you get side mounted. But yet I've side mounted 500 people in front of their instructors, 300 people, blue belts, brown belts, and all the instructors say, yeah, turn to your side, turn to your side. And I'm like, oh my gosh, please don't turn to your side. Number one, I'm too heavy right now. Number two, I have such a good grip. Number three, I'm going to guillotine you. Number four, I'm going to arm bar you. Number five, you're going to get tired. Number six, I'm not going to do anything for you. Number seven, I don't know what your coach is telling you because <laughs> turning to your side makes sense if it's at the right time. This is not the time to turn. And then they try turning for two and a half minutes and then they tap out because they can't breathe and they're exhausted and I'm crushing their diaphragm. <laughs> and like, you know, I put so much side mount pressure that the person just get off me. Black belt, can't breathe. But I didn't even do that. You're, you are just confused and you bit, you, you bit the lie. You bit the, the, the lie that you have to escape side control. You see that? You don't have to escape side control. Dude, I know you got some laundry to do. Um, I appreciate, I appreciate you hanging out with us, man. I look forward to, uh, to one of these days we'll get together on the mat but first, we always, we always talk about this on the podcast. Um, what's your favorite martial arts movie? You got one? Um, I don't know if I have a favorite, but I really like, like the last one I watched was The Last Samurai. Awesome. And you know what I was just tripping out on the other day too? I have some friends that are like, I have young friends because I'm, old <laughs> but i'm still young i'm almost i'm 38 but i'm young in jujitsu right because i can tap out 25 year olds that are brown belts and black belts so i have young friends and i have some friends that have never watched the last samurai that are 24 years old because that movie came out when they were like i don't know when it came out they were seven or four and they just lost the window you know or they never seen the matrix the first matrix so i'm kind of i almost want to tweet that right now i put it on instagram like has anybody never seen The Matrix or The Last Samurai or what other movies came out 20 years ago that people have not seen? Because well, what are you guys' favorite movies, martial arts movies? Well, we've been, we've been talking, we did this. I'd say I really like Bloodsport, but, you know, I, I, I'd like it better in between matches if there was a, uh, a 12-year-old hero coming to clean the blood off the mat in between the matches. Uh, I, I also like uh, the... the um, Last Dragon was one of the ones I liked a lot. I'm not even seeing Bloodsport. Oh, really? Maybe I have a little bit. Like, you know the movie Fight Club? Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys like Fight Club? Yeah, I love it. Bloodsport and Fight Club, I think I watched a little bit, but I stopped watching them like 20 minutes in. You know what I feel like sometimes? Because of my family, the movie Fight Club maybe I didn't allow myself to be entertained. And I'm like, man, this is a movie. This is a fight club. I'm talking about fight club because I actually existed around real fight clubs, like real fights happening in my backyard. 
and in the gym on Sunday with the windows blacked out. Like these actual fights happened when I was a kid. Fight Club felt a little bit like, come on. But, but I have to give it a try. It's like WWE. Like I was never allowed to watch that. Not because I was not allowed to watch it. Because when I watched it, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like truth was getting in the way a little bit, right? Yeah, I, I had been exposed to too much. So when it comes to like the Matrix, for example, it's so far-fetched that I, get, I allow it. But Fight Club had an appearance of like some realness. And The Last Samurai, it's, it's fake, it's real, it's, it's telling a story of a time way before me. But Fight Club, I felt like that could have been happening down the street from me. And they're trying to insinuate that. But I got to watch Fight Club again because I had at least five or six friends like, yo, <laughs> Fight Club, Fight Club. So I will do that. But Have you ever, have you ever seen uh, the cartoon Avatar? Yo, my kids um, just watched all of it. I didn't really watch it. Oh, man, I love it. It's great. I, I've watched a couple episodes with them, and they're very good episodes, yes. I have a hard time watching cartoons these days. Even though they have great messages, I have a little block in me for watching cartoons in the last, you know, 25 years. <laughs> but but I, you, you're right. My wife loves it. Um, one of my best friends, Evandro, loves the show Avatar. He told my kids about it. So there's another another show about a girl similar. Yeah, Katara. That it's like Katara. the second Avatar. Yeah, it's great. So I'm gonna start watching that with them. All right. I missed the whole Avatar three seasons. But what other movies? What movies do you like, George? Ah uh, man, I mean, I would like Big Trouble in Little China is probably one of my favorites. You you know that one? I've heard of it. I've not seen it. It's a great. It's it's a classic, man. It's like That's, 80s. When did it like, come out? 1980s probably yeah so yeah. movies that came out after 19 before 1995 i'm not gonna have watched right because i i'm not gonna go back it's hard it's my 20 year old friends are not watching last samurai for that reason so anything that came i want to know after 1995 97 what came out that's what i'm gonna have watched when i was 14 16 i like that maybe in that era i would say my favorite would be um Man, what's it's uh it's Jet Li, isn't it? It's not Crouching Tiger, but the other one, uh, not Warrior, but like, Hero, Hero, Hero. Okay, Dude, it's good. You know, what would be cool. Uh, we should trade a little bit of lists. You know, like maybe our top ten. And I'm gonna no, I'm gonna do it. On, you guys on Instagram? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go on Instagram right now, and I'm gonna do a little post. Best martial arts movies. Nice. Give me two. Give me your top three martial arts movies. I like to watch martial arts movies, fighting, and you know Black Hawk Down war movies over everything. So I'm gonna do a post. People just love giving their top favorite ones, you know. And then not only that, but the cool part about that is that everybody else can see other cool suggestions. Because right now, if there's one thing that we need, is a good movie two or three times a week. I got the time. Okay. 100%. So I want to know in terms of your guys' jujitsu um, practice going forward, did anything that I say resonate to the point where you feel like, wow, I want to, there's something that I can apply that I want to, you know, I can do. 100% dude. 100%. I think for me, I want, you know, like you were describing, Hey, get on your side, escape shrimp, get out, like replace your guard. Yeah. Just described, I think, like every jiu-jitsu coach on the planet. You know what I mean? My goal is now 
to keep that mindset a little bit of maybe live in the now in this position and maybe get comfortable defending yourself and maybe don't be so quick to think what I'm thinking of you watching the role or what your, your training partner is thinking of you as they roll. Like why not like really explore the position a little bit and don't be so quick to move on to the next thing. And I think this whole podcast has really sunk in for me not only as a teacher, but as a, as, as someone that practices jujitsu myself and how it expresses itself in my life. That's and how maybe I'm not using good jujitsu when I'm not on the mat sometimes. And that should all affect how I translate what the gift of jujitsu that I'm like transferring from me to someone else that never belonged to me in the first place. You know what I mean? I feel Make sure that I'm doing it in the best way I possibly can. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, brother. Seriously. I feel this. I mean, I feel like we got an opportunity when we get all get back on the mat and open up to kind of like, we got an opportunity right now to reevaluate all the stuff we're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And go back when we start and kind of like look and say, Hey, we can start over with a lot of stuff. Like if, if we've been doing stuff that maybe doesn't make sense to us now, like we can, we're starting back over and we can do it a different way, you know? And it's, um, I don't necessarily have to prove in every role that, uh, you know, I can escape and pass your guard and get on top and hold you down. And, you know, like that doesn't have to be uh, because I want to roll forever. You know, I'm a little guy. These guys are big guys. They're trying to kill me all the time. I want to roll forever. You know what? Like just the concept of maybe it's not so important for me to teach someone how to do worm guard as it is to calm their mind and their soul when they're underneath a guy that's 250 pounds and survive the round and not submitted, or maybe those small victories and saying, I live for three minutes and then I live for four minutes and then five and that's how it grows. And uh, I, I just amazing lessons that I'm so appreciative to, to have you share with us today. Awesome. I love it. You guys, it was fun talking and comment on your movies. I saw the the Instagram right there on the chat, which I don't know if I can copy that or whatever, but, I see great. I'll, I'll text it to you. Northeast BJJ podcast. Very cool. Wait, man. I'm going to think a little bit before I reply to your, to your post, but just comment with those three movies and then I'll see the podcast. That's it. Nice. That's it. You guys, I appreciate it. Like you said, hopefully I'll see you guys in the mat one day and hopefully I have helped you um, kind of catch yourself when you move into a behavior that is, what did I use the term that I said? It's uh, confused. Yeah. Right? When you behave in a confused manner, now, especially confused based on what you want for yourself. If this is what you want and you're behaving this way, I would like to help help so you go like this. Okay, now I'm back in the direction of that which I truly want. Okay. 100%. Thank you. Be well. Thanks a lot, brother. Peace. Thank you so much.